Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love. Love at first listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people... It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. KFI AM640. You're listening to the John and Ken Show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. McIntyre in for John and Ken. This is KFI AM640 live everywhere and on the iHeartRadio app. At uh, 20 minutes after the hour, we'll give you a chance to win some dough. Uh, later on, we're going to talk with uh, Joel uh, Larsgaard, uh, who's heard every Sunday from noon to two about uh, paying for your kids' college. And uh, are the actors going to join the writers on strike and really shut down Hollywood? So we got all kinds of things uh, to talk about, including a story I've been really chomping at the bit to tell you about because it's so rare we get to tell you good news. I mean, really genuinely good news. At a Caltech, there has been a breakthrough that for some reason has not gotten the press. I think it really deserves. It's an epical event right here from Southern California. We'll get into that in just a bit. But the Supreme Court uh, issued some Huge rulings again today. You know, this is the time of year when they make their rulings before they adjourn for the summer. And uh, they just said no to Joe. Uh, Joe Biden's uh, plan to uh, offer uh, tuition relief, uh, debt relief to college students, and also a big ruling on gay rights. So we turn once again to the best in the business. We just crack the glass in event of a legal emergency. And here comes Royal Oaks. 
Hey, thank you very much, Doug. Uh, one second, just a second. Alexa, please order 10 copies of the hot new novel, Frank's Shadow. Oh, you're yes, so thanks. good. Okay, you, now I'm ready. Once now again, once again. I'm sorry, the, the I was key, shopping, I was shopping. The, the key to media is to uh, kiss up to the host. Very well done. Very well done. I might get asked back. Exactly. <laughs> um, nobody, you don't have a problem being asked back. Uh, listen, thanks for being with us. We do appreciate it, especially as we kick off the big 4th of July holiday. But these are big decisions. The, uh, the uh, Supreme Court throws them over the transom and then heads to vacation spots somebody else pays for, apparently. But it's a, another 6-3 decision. Talk to us about, let's start with the, uh, the decision on college tuition. This was uh, Joe Biden's big uh, he dangled this out before the midterm elections. The Republicans uh, cried foul, saying this is just politics, ended up in court. And it looks like the uh, conservative justices backed up the uh, position that the president was out of line. Yeah, they, they did. So this is the background. After 9-11, Congress passed a law called the HEROES Act in 2003, and it gave the education secretary really broad power to modify or waive the provisions of student loan programs in times of emergency. 9-11 was an emergency. So President Biden a year or so ago said, hey, you know what? COVID was an emergency. I hereby, on my own, forgive $430 billion in student loans uh, owed by oh, about 43 million borrowers, about 20000 per student in many cases. Uh, and so, you know, happy day for you. Well, uh, the suit was filed. Uh, several uh, Republican-controlled states filed and said, this is crazy, too, way too much money. And what about the people who paid their way through college or repaid their loans? And sure enough, the the, Republic, the, uh, the Supreme Court, as you say, by six to three votes said, you know what? The law says that we can modify or waive the clauses in the student loan law, but you can't just totally forgive it. That was the argument that won the day before the Supreme Court. Now, Royal, this brings up, uh, is this a narrow ruling or is this a ruling that could set a precedent across the spectrum? Because a lot of us observing the way politics works today, our government to the extent it does work, this ain't the government that we thought we were going to get. We have yielded and ceded extraordinary powers to the executive branch, no matter who the president is, and, and to the bureaucracies that fall under the executive branch's uh, orbit. And a lot, for instance, I'm going to use an example. When, when President Obama instituted the DACA program and he said, if Congress won't act, I will. And with the wave of a pen, with an executive order, he created this new uh, law that allowed people to be in the country illegally and to work without, uh, without uh, fear of prosecution. Now, you may support that, but the point is, is that that's a legislative when, – when Congress chooses not to act, that is an action. They didn't have the votes to pass it. That is an action. And we, we've seen this repeated over and over and over again where these, these agencies get empowered uh, and they keep to expand their reach, expand their reach, expand their reach until there's really no check and balance on it. Yeah, you're right. That's a great analogy to the uh, Obama situation regarding immigration. Because you'll recall, Republicans pointed out that early on in his term, President Obama said, hey, I can't on my own make an executive order changing the immigration law. That's Congress's purview. But we're going to work with them. Well, a year or so later. It didn't work out. And so Obama made the famous comment about, I've got a pen and I've got a cell phone and I'm going to accomplish this by executive order. So the Republicans, are, of course, uh, uh, cried bloody murder. But this is similar in, in the case that 
yeah, people are saying Joe Biden, the head of the executive branch, shouldn't be able to do what the Congress did. And so there is that macro fight in the administrative state, in the deep state, in the swamp. You know, people have strong opinions. The reason this may not be a really broad ruling, though, Doug, is because it was really narrowly focused on the language of the HEROES Act. You may modify or waive the loan provisions of the law. That's the way the act was worded. And so, you know, reasonable minds can differ. Some people would say, well, modify or waive. That could include wipe out every debt. debt. But the, the more conventional wisdom is, oh, no, you, you can't just wipe it out. That would be usurping the congressional power. And that's the argument the Supreme Court bought. We are uh, talking with uh, uh, legal analyst Royal Oaks, and you can follow him at Royal Oaks, of course. Let's pivot to the other story, because the other case is based on a Colorado anti-discrimination law that says what happened was uh, this gay couple was going to get married. They uh, wanted to have a website built, I guess, by an... Uh, a fundamentalist Christian, a website designer who said refused to do it. And of course there were lawsuits filed kind of like the gay wedding cake story from a few years ago. And the courts ruled that um, they have the right to refuse to serve this gay couple. Yeah, exactly right. It's Yogi Berra, deja vu all over again. And people must think that's kind of weird. You know, same-sex wedding uh, vendors from Colorado lined up in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. Most litigants and lawyers struggle their entire lives and they never get there, but we got two of them. So this was different, though, Doug. Uh, before, it was kind of a religious freedom issue, and, and it was a, a commission for civil rights in Colorado that went off the rails. This was a speech issue, and not everybody agrees with it, but Justice Gorsuch wrote the majority opinion, and he said Colorado seeks to force an individual to speak in a way that aligns with its views, the state's views, but defy her conscience about a matter of major significance. So a lot of people say, really, speech? She's a website designer. What's the big deal? The law says if you are open to the public, you can't say, well, my religion says I don't serve black people. That wouldn't fly, but the court is repeatedly now saying if it's something having to do with sexual preference, same-sex marriage, you don't have to make the cake and you don't have to make the website, and that's the way this Supreme Court sees it. You know, it's weird to me because when you hire a web designer, the web designer may be involved in the artistic uh, look of and the utility of the website, but the content is based on what the client wants. So whose speech is it? I think that the court is saying that the website designer is more like an artist. This isn't a person making a, a burger and a cup of coffee. If you said, well, you know, that's my expression, my artistic. I'm like the guy on the show, the bear. You know, I really put it up just right. The court would laugh you out of, uh, out of court. But this does have enough elements of artistic talent and creativity that that caused the Supreme Court to say, you know, this is like forcing her to speech. That's a First Amendment violation. Does the concept, we've all seen the sign, no shirt, no shoes, no service, and we've seen other ones that are broader that say we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. Does that hold up in the modern era? Not at all. If the real reason you're saying no to somebody is a forbidden reason, you're discriminating based on their religion, you hate Muslims, or you hate other people that just you know have different views from you, or if it's based on race, then you are definitely going to lose. But if there's an element of creativity or artistic talent, that's a different story. You know, it, it, it's so complicated being in business today. Certainly Bud Light found that out. You know, everybody's trying to triangulate how to appeal to a broader base by 
offering advertisements or promotions or endorsements uh, by non-traditional endorsers, if you will. And then I saw the story in the L.A. Times that a Walgreens store in Oakland, a 30-year-old transgender man said he was denied medical uh, treatment. He couldn't get his medicine because the pharmacist refused to serve him for religious reasons. And now Walgreens is trying to say, we're looking into the matter. This is a rare situation when a... Uh, uh, a team member has a religious or moral conviction that prevents them from meeting a patient's need. We require the team member to refer the patient to another employee. So, you know, it's all of it. I mean, you're just trying to sell cotton balls, all right? You're, you're Walgreens. You're trying yeah. to sell, you know, a, a bottle of bee sting medicine or something uh, and some Reese's peanut butter cups up by the cash register. But now you've got to triangulate this Rubik's Cube this maze of different social issues that now present themselves in all walks of life in America. It does get complicated, but I think judges always come back to the idea that unless you have a really good reason for not helping somebody, then you're going to be in trouble legally. But again, if it's creativity that's involved, which has nothing to do with you know, selling somebody something at a pharmacy, uh, you know, you're going to win probably, but the pharmacist is going to lose. All right, Royal, have a great 4th of July. Thanks so much. Always great talking to you. You bet. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, when we come back, I want to tell you about a real eureka moment. I mean, a moment that may be as big a moment as Edison's light bulb, and I'm not kidding, or the Wright brothers flying a Kitty Hawk. This is a huge technological breakthrough. Got very little press. Took place right here in Pasadena, Caltech. We'll get into that in just a bit. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. I saw this story. You know, I read a column for the Southern California News Group. I've been doing it for a long, long time, which is the L.A. Daily News, the Orange County Register, the Long Beach Press-Telegram, the Riverside, you know, Pasadena Sun, all the papers. And this story was on page one of the L.A. Daily News uh, on June 7th. So, you know, almost a month ago. And it got no play and I don't understand because I'm reading this and going, this is an incredible story. You know, there's so much hyperbole. Everything's the best. Everything's the greatest. Everything's the worst. Everything's awful. It's either, you know, apocalyptic or, uh, you know, uh, earth changing. Uh, and most of the time it turns out not to be. But the folks at Caltech are not known for flinging BS. They're pretty much by the rule book. And that's why when I started to read the quotes about this technological breakthrough out of Caltech, my eyebrows shot north because they're not the hyperbole people. Caltech team demonstrated for the first time its ability to wirelessly transmit power in space and beam a detectable amount back to Earth. This is the Space Solar Power Project. Ali uh, Hajimari, he's a professor of electrical and medical engineering at Caltech, and he's the co-director of the Space Solar Power Project team. And what they did was they put solar panels in space, and then they were, through some kind of wizardry, they were able to send it back to the rooftop of a lab in Pasadena. No energy transmission infrastructure will be needed on the ground to receive this power. That means we can send energy to remote regions and areas devastated by war or natural disaster. It opens the door to harnessing power from the sun and sending it directly to the earth. Solar cells in particular suffer because of the atmosphere, weather, and nighttime. Under development for decades, solar 
space solar power, the process of harnessing solar power in space and beaming energy back to Earth using solar-powered satellites was not just the stuff of sci-fi. Ten years ago, Caltech formed the Space Solar Power Project, which culminated in a January 3rd launch milestone. The project has been fully funded from private sources, so no public money. This was all privately done. Uh, it was developed at a private institution, and the experiments were launched by Momentus, a private aerospace company mounted aboard a Momentus platform. Uh, this uh, it, it goes on to say in this piece that providing the world, it will this technology, when it's fully developed, will provide the world with abundant, reliable, and affordable power for the benefit of all mankind. It, it, the acronym is called MAPLE. M-A-P-L-E, and it's short for Microwave Array for Power Transfer Low or Bit Experiment. Now, I, I got to qualify this. I got a BA in English from Stonehill College in 1979. Oh, damn, they asked me not to tell that. Anyway, the point is, uh, I'm totally and utterly and profoundly unqualified to digest and to explain to you the actual science behind this. But here's what I know. I drive around, in fact, this morning driving here, I passed four construction crews working on power lines with cherry pickers uh, with this tangle of wires that go everywhere. And then when we get winds or storms, they fall down and they burn down half the state of California. They're ugly, they're blight, they're expensive, and they cause fires. And mylar balloons get caught in them and explode and knock out the power for 20 hours, okay? This has the potential to replace all of that, to literally have the ultimate Wi-Fi. It's basically broadcast energy where you can have a dish on the roof of your house and receive electricity from the sun and power everything with no wires anymore. None of the cost, none of the infrastructure of that. The ability to send a concentrated beam of energy to receivers at will and the possibility of beaming power to a specific location on Earth Collecting solar energy in space, by the way, they want to do this because it converts it into energy, into electromagnetic waves and beams them to Earth. And it's eight to nine times more power than solar cells on Earth because it doesn't have to deal with inefficiencies like the atmosphere, the seasons and the day-night cycle. Obviously, the sun is always up, uh, uh, you know, in, in outer space. A second experiment consisted of directing the energy beam from Maple to a receiver on the roof of the Moore Laboratory at Caltech's Pasadena campus. They had successfully received energy on Earth from the orbiting experiment. Now, here's a quote of note. Thomas F. Rosenbaum is the president of Caltech. He does not shoot off at the mouth. He, he, he is not a person prone to hyperbole, unlike myself. Caltech President Thomas F. Rosenbaum said the milestone foreshadows, quote, a remarkable payoff for humanity, a world powered by uninterruptible renewable energy. I have no idea how this story flew under the radar because it would seem to me that this is kind of like Orville Wright skimming across the sands of Kitty Hawk on December 17, 1903. By the way, that got buried, too. Took him a long time to get that story right. Or Edison yelling, Eureka in uh, Menlo Park, New Jersey. This is a huge story. It's Southern California pride. And for once, we have good news for you. All right, when we come back, we're going to walk you through how to pay for college because you're not going to get loan forgiveness now that the Supreme Court said no to Joe and his uh, loan forgiveness program. Do you love Selena? Like, really love 
Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Doug McIntyre in for John and Ken, Conway at 4 o'clock. And uh, we got a lot more to get into, including uh, this hour. We're going to talk about whether or not SAG and after the uh, the actors are going to join the writers in striking here in Hollywood, which could be a real blow to the town. But maybe it's necessary. We'll get into all of that in just a bit. I want to invite you on July 16th, which is a Tuesday night. I'm going to be at the Barnes & Noble at the Grove Farmer's Market. And we encourage you to come on out and say hello. I have a book coming out. I'm very proud of it. It's called Frank's Shadow. And uh, we're going to be doing a reading and a signing at the Barnes & Noble at the Grove, right in the middle of town. Lots of parking. So come on out from 7 to 9 p.m. on Tuesday night. If you can't make that, I'll be at Gatsby's in Long Beach on the 22nd. That's at noon. Pages, a bookstore in Manhattan Beach on July 26th. Another Barnes & Noble down at the Irvine Spectrum in the OC on August 2nd. And then Vromans in Pasadena on August 9th. We've got all this up at the KFI website, so you can go there. Or you can go to my website, by the way, DougMcIntyre.com. And it's M-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E, not like Reba McIntyre. I don't know how she got to spell it that way with an E. Uh, All right, ladies and gentlemen, so the Supreme Court 86th President Biden's uh, loan forgiveness plan, and that means that if you were counting on that to pay off those college loans, you can kiss that goodbye. 
So a gentleman who is with us, in fact, he's heard every Sunday on KFI. He's the host of How to Money every Sunday from noon to 2. He's going to walk us through what we do now. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show, Joel Larsgaard. Joel, how are you? I'm good, Doug. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, so obviously, uh, look, the Biden plan was controversial to begin with, and it was immediately challenged in courts. Supreme got all the way to the Supreme Court. They shot it down. So that's off the table. And he's uh, proposing legislative fixes, et cetera, et cetera. But in the meantime... September's coming. People are going to be going back to the University of Expensive and uh, various campuses around the country. And what do you do? Yeah, I mean, this is really a bummer for a whole lot of people. I totally get that. And especially if you were banking on this, hoping on this, well, you might not have been <laughs> reading the writing that was on the wall, which was that this was highly unlikely to happen. The Supreme Court was unlikely. And obviously they didn't uphold Biden's forgiveness plan. And so, yeah, the truth is um, that in, interest uh, starts building up again in September. Payments resume in October. And for a lot of people, when payments have been out of sight, out of mind for three and a half years, they're probably, yeah, they're, they're freaking out and they're not ready for this to happen. And so I really want people to start buckling down now, incorporating that student loan payment for, for people. It's, it, for a lot of people, it's average like $400 is what their student loan payment is. You got to start to find room and wiggle room in your budget now for it setting that aside and saving so you can actually be prepared come October 1st when the payment hits. Joe, let me ask you about, uh, I went to school a million years ago. I took a pterodactyl to campus. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, and of course, at the time, I thought it was a stunning amount of money. And my college loans, we used to have those 3% uh, federal guaranteed loans that are long gone. And uh, I think my, my loan payments were $81.65 a month for 10 years which seems like, you know, the coins in the sofa uh, cushion now. <laughs> right. but, but college is very expensive. And, and you know, for everybody talking about the price of gas or the price of eggs, big college, I don't know how they've gotten away with this because it is not uncommon for a private university to be north of $50,000, in some cases way north of $50,000. Yeah. And how did it get to this point? where colleges and universities have become like buying a franchise, essentially. You might as well you buy a Wendy's franchise for less money than it costs to, to, uh, to, get, to get a four-year degree. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I will say that was one of my issues with the blanket debt forgiveness is it incentivizes these schools to continue to crank up costs and the government's going to, you know, pay pay for through these student loans and in indebtedness of uh, of these students. Like it just doesn't incentivize them to do the right thing, which is to lower costs and to to cut back and make education more accessible. I will say this, yeah, when you look at kind of where inflation has gone over the past 20 years, healthcare and education are are two of the things that have crushed us. But when you look at actually the actual cost that people are paying for school, it's starting to go down a little bit because it, the sticker price isn't going down, but the amount of of, fed, of aid that, that students are able to get is increasing. And so we are starting to see people uh, start to pay a little bit less. Yeah, it's, it's certainly not like it used to be in, in your day, Doug, or even my day going to school, uh, but it's, it is starting to come back down. And Sadly, I mean, it's, there's so many decisions when you're trying to to go to school and pick where to go. And um, and and when you're 17, 18 years old, it's really hard to make a wise decision when we're talking about these uh, giant sums of money and, and where you're going to go and what you're going to major in. And uh, and so I think we're kind of 
kind of setting some of these kids up for failure too, strapping them with these student loans that they're going to be paying for multiple decades. We're talking about Lars, uh, Joel Larsgaard, who could be heard every Sunday from noon to two here on KFI, uh, host of How To Money. And listen, a lot of younger people are actually now starting to uh, punt on college. They're either yeah. uh, opting for the wise financial choice of doing a two-year community college and then transferring in, or they're skipping it all together. And, you know, this became, a college degree became a middle-class fetish uh, to the point where a lot of families put so much pressure on their kids and the kids feel it from six ways from Sunday that their life is over. They're ruined for life if they don't get that college degree. And look, I, I'm a big believer in higher education, and I think it's a it's one of the you know benchmarks of Western Civ that we've enabled uh, people to uh, to to pursue uh, higher education on these beautiful campuses. But we also need people who know how to do things. You know, we need mechanics. We need and you know we need carpenters. We need people. We need somebody you know at Sears who knows how to you know fix something. Right. There's hardly yeah. anybody at Sears left now. But, <laughs> but the point is, is that, you know, there's a lot of real life skills. We need truck drivers. We need pilots. We need all kinds of people to do all kinds of things. And you don't necessarily need a college degree to have a happy life. Yeah. I mean, I think I think of college kind of like how like buying a house. I've got no problem with people buying a house, but realize that it might not be something we have this cult of homeownership and, and, and people think buying a house is the greatest financial move I could make. And that's just not the case when you look at the numbers and homeownership is fine. And yeah, it can help you build wealth, but it shouldn't be the number way that, one way that you do it. And the same thing is true of college. We've got this cult of college in this country and there's nothing wrong with going to college. I went to college. I'm glad I did. And I think it, it makes sense for a whole lot of people, but it doesn't make sense for everyone. And the recent stats on what electricians are getting paid right when they kind of, you know, come out of, uh, come out of school for that, they, they basically uh, have so much less debt. They're starting off making close to $70,000 a year. These blue collar jobs are in high demand. And so if you like working with your hands, uh, don't, College probably isn't for you. It probably doesn't make the most sense. And going in one of those directions where you don't rack up the student loan debt and where you can be a lot more entrepreneurial too. You can build your own business. You can create something and, and you can, yeah, work with your hands, do the blue collar thing. I think that makes sense for a whole lot of people too. But we just don't push that in this country, sadly, even though it makes sense for us. Well, a, a there, giant there has people. become a real cultural snobbery about this and you yeah. run into it all the time. And it's tragic because, you know, uh, with rare exception, the people who created the country didn't go to college. Uh, right, right. You yeah. know, uh, so, so uh, amazing. You know, it's, it's like technology. The people who invented the computer did not have a computer. All right. The people, you know, uh, if you look at the early pioneers of technology, they didn't have any of the technology. They had to build the technology that we take for granted, but they didn't have it while they were building it. So uh, so, uh, you know, these these are uh, plus the, these are advantages in life that are fabulous. But if you're bankrupting yourself and then you get into the issue of if you sign up knowing that this is going to cost two hundred thousand dollars, you can't be surprised when you get a bill for two hundred thousand dollars at the end of it. Right. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. I do. I will say, though, we are kind of steering people in this direction and brainwashing them a little bit. that college is the only path forward. And and then we're surprised that uh, student loan debt becomes an issue. Right. And and so we do need to do a better job at, at as a culture, as a society, uh, at kind of directing people to like bring back uh, shop class right in high schools 
for the kids that are so inclined. We've eliminated a lot of that. And because of that, there's there's not a chance for some of these kids who would be better served doing an apprenticeship, going in the blue collar direction. They just don't have the opportunity yeah. and they're told that college prep is is the way to go. And and yeah, again, it is probably for a, a big chunk of people, but there's a there's a lot of folks that it doesn't make sense for too. Yeah, I also think we should bring back the government loans that we had in the 60s and 70s, the 3% loan. Why is that social program gone when it was successful? People paid it back. Uh, it, 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 you know, people could predict how much their loans were going to cost. They were at a reasonable interest rates. And this is what happened. Now, this, I, I admit, Joel, this is outright a Doug McIntyre conspiracy theory. I have no evidence of what I'm about to say, but I've really believed it sort of in the back of my mind for years. That right around the time that the college loans went away in the Reagan administration, they got, uh, they privatized it and the banks loved it and interest rates went up to six, 8%, whatever. That's right around the same time, just a few years after we went to a volunteer army. And mm. we needed people to go into the military uh, in order to fill quotas. And as college got more expensive, more people took up the option of going into the army. And then the army would pay for education later on. It's a wonderful program, by the way. Our yeah. oldest did. He was an ROTC student at Indiana University. And it saved us a lot of dough and we're grateful for it. But... Yeah. I can't help but think that there wasn't some kind of coordination between these two events. Let's make college more expensive, <laughs> and now we got to fill the ranks, and now we'll have more people coming into the Army. By the way, I've got a whole second story we didn't even get to today about how the Army is really struggling to make their quotas, so expect college to get even more expensive. Joel, thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate it again this Sunday and every Sunday from 12 to 2 on KFI. How to Money with Joel Larsgaard. Joel, thanks so much. Coming thanks, back, Doug. are the actors going to join the writers on strike? And then uh, we got a whole other hour with a chance to win some money. Timmy will join us uh, around this time in an hour from now. Uh, so hang in there, folks. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Next hour, I want to talk about a couple weeks back, I was driving down Van Nuys Boulevard in the San Fernando Valley, which at one time, before I even lived here, because I moved here in 85, but, but at one time, it was like the center and the representative of valley life, of Southern California life, of cruising, of malt shops, of some kind of happy day's existence. Boy, has that ship sailed. I'm going to talk about that. We'll also talk about the death of the great Alan Arkin. As it turns out, I am married to a longtime actress, Penny Pizer, who was in All the President's Men and The Frisco Kid and a whole bunch of TV series. And uh, she worked with Alan Arkin, and she's going to come on and talk to us about uh, Mr. Arkin, who passed away yesterday at the age of 89, an amazing talent and a wonderful person. And uh, how about this for a segue? As we mentioned, an actor, we're on the cusp of a really historic union disturbance in uh, Hollywood. And that would be the expiration of the sag after the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television Radio Artists contract at midnight tonight, meaning the writers and the actors could be on strike at the same time and the town is shut down. Now, a bunch of Hollywood people, who cares, right? Well, here's the deal. The ripple effect is enormous because... Uh, this is a company town. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of jobs that are dependent on the motion picture and television industry and all of the feeder industries. Look, it's lumber yards. It's 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 caterers. It's uh, dry cleaners who clean the wardrobe. It's drivers. It's all uh, hotels when people fly in. It's all kinds of businesses that feed the motion picture industry 
multi-billions of dollars. The contract talks with SAG and AFTRA are actually pretty productive by reports. They may make a deal. It's the largest union, by the way, 160,000 performers in the union. And uh, this is a sidebar note that may say a lot about modern America. Do you realize that there's more members of SAG-AFTRA than there are in the United Auto Workers Union? We have more actors in this country than we have auto workers. So automation and AI is certainly one of the issues on the table. Tom Hanks recently said that he fully expects to star in movies or at least appear in them long after he's dead, whether he likes it or not. Because AI can scan the body that's been photographed enough like Hanks basically his entire life is on film. They can, you know, digitize and create an AI Tom Hanks that could just be fed dialogue that another computer writes at some point in the future. And Tom Hanks is in a movie 150 years from now. And by the way, it'll be great because Tom Hanks is in it. But the point is, is that the technological challenges are extraordinary. Now, some of this may be inevitable. Now, I've been a writer's guild. I got a self-interest in this. Uh, full disclosure, I've been a member of the Writers Guild of America since 1986 or 85. And this is the third major strike that I've been through. And I went to the big picket. They had a big protest rally march with all the unions at uh, the La Brea Tar Pits a couple of Wednesdays ago. And it was really, you know, great for morale. Everybody's there were thousands and thousands of people. We had the Teamsters. Everybody likes the Teamsters on their side, right? So we're all out there for the big picket sign in our hand. Thousands of people speechifying. And yet I couldn't help but suspect that there was an unintended metaphor, an irony to the location they chose for the rally to put us at the La Brea Tar Pits. You know, are we not like the dinosaurs being sucked down into the goo of Hollywood. But the question is, who's being, who's the dinosaur in this case? Is it the writers? Is it the actors? Or is it the studios themselves? Because despite the billions of dollars of record profits, the truth of the matter is, is that the technology has democratized creativity. You can make a movie on your phone. You can distribute it globally on the internet. Uh, there are more roads to producing product than has ever existed in humankind. And it's only going to get more so as technology makes it easier and easier and easier to do things. The challenge is, and this is a profound challenge for a company town. How do you make it a profession? How do you keep it a profession? It's called show business, but it's rapidly approaching show hobby. You see, they want you for an 11 o'clock audition, but you know, you can't make an 11 o'clock audition if your shift supervisor at the restaurant you're working at says you can't get the day off. It's, it's a really difficult life. The work is unique, but here's the, the big kicker and why this is worth talking about besides if you're an actor or a writer or in show business in some capacity. The whole economy is becoming like show business. Actors and writers and people in show business are, are almost used to, you never totally get used to it, but you're kind of used to this cycle, the boom-bust cycle of being in work and out of work, in work, out of work. You know, your Ford plant closes every 10 weeks. You know, you don't get a gold watch. You just, nobody calls you anymore. But the gig economy has become commonplace in, in, in American economy today, and that's a profound change where companies are divesting themselves of the social welfare, cares, pension, health, all that stuff is now being put on you as a, an independent contractor. 
and it's transferring all of those costs that uh, used to be covered by your employer onto the employee. And that's why I pick it. I don't expect to get any more money from the Writers Guild contract, but I carried a picket sign in gratitude for the pension that I get every month from the work that I did in my previous incarnation. Uh, I do have gratitude to the union and to the guild because otherwise I'd be in here begging, please, I got to work at KFI. I got to feed the cats. All right, let's feed the beast right now. Let's start with some news. Here's Deborah Mark. Hey, you've been listening to The John and Ken Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM 640, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday, and, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts do you love selena like really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.